You're listening to The Agile CTO, a podcast geared toward technology professionals, disruptors, and thought leaders. This show will aim to cover industry trends, new technologies, the life of a CTO, building dev culture, stories from some of today's leading CTOs, and so much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where the industry is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Agile CTO podcast. Today, we've got another roundtable for you. No special guests besides those of us working at Hey Philly Software. As usual, my partner in crime, Guy. Guy, how are you doing today, buddy? I just want to correct you. We're all special in some way, Harley. These guys are all special. I just All of you just know that you're special, at least to me, if not to Harley. You're all special. I'm well. Thanks, Harley. Thanks for asking, man. I think we're pretty good. I'm going to be making biltong this weekend. So after this, I'm heading to the butcher and getting myself some silver side. And I'm, you know, going to be a home biltong maker purely because it's too expensive to buy this stuff anymore. I don't know if you guys have seen biltong prices lately. Also, you've been fasting for yeah. days now. So I think your your hunger no, but, and appetite is taking over all your decisions at this point. But who hasn't? I just recently saw a meme like that came out. If you if you've managed to get through 2021 without fasting. Investing yeah. in an air fryer, getting yeah, a dog, or having a kid—you know, you're 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 doing well. Anyway, so today we've got some really special people on the call with us: Jonathan Giorgio, Darian Leonard, and Johan Buerta, who are developers at Hayfully Software. And today we're going to be talking about pretty controversial topic, and a lot of um, uh, recruitment agencies talk about full stack, front end, back end. We're going to be exploring these concepts. What does it mean in the world of uh, custom development today? And I'm going to hand over to the guys to introduce themselves. Jonathan, why don't you take us away? Cool. So, yeah, I'm a developer. Traditionally, so far, I've been full stack, but lately been leaning more towards the front end realm, which I'm sure we're going to get into um, in a bit. But yeah, that's me. Welcome, Jonathan. Johan, who are you? What do you do? Hello, guys. I'm Johan. I'm a practice lead at Hayfully Software, specifically in the backend cloud environment. Basically, all that means I'm a glorified senior developer with a specific focus, and I'm helping not only just one client and one specific team, but looking after our practice within Hayfully in those specific areas and helping and assisting multiple teams and making sure that our craft is heading in the right direction and that we are actually providing good valids, uh, value to our customers and making sure that all of that corresponds into best practices across the board. That's me. And last but not least, Darian Leonard. Darian, what do you do? Hi, I'm an intermediate developer, also full stack, although more recently leaning towards front end. It's been back and forth whether to go fully front end or stay. And it's uh, just from the technologies I've seen before, I think this conversation actually helped me quite a lot. Just for those just for those avid Agile CTO listeners out there, if you've been around since sort of, you know, at least six to 12 months, maybe longer, right? How long ago was that? Anyway, Darren was, Darian was our first guest on, on a released podcast. And if you can find that one, I think there's a prize in it for any other, anybody listening to this. Was that one this. released? Yeah, it's out there. It's out there. I'm not going to say where it is. Oh. It's maybe... Some return guest. Re- nice. Return guest, Darian Leonard. first, Welcome. actually, technically, our first uh, returning guest. Yeah. Yeah, Darian's a veteran. I'm on it. Was that where you were going to go, Holly? 
was I on the right track? I was going to touch on that, but I will, I'm all wanted to, to preface. So yeah, we, uh, as you guys can see, we've got a couple of different people, uh, various years in the industry, various uh, technological backgrounds and current focuses. Um, I think Guy and myself may have touched on it in the first few podcasts, just, but just for context for this conversation, much like Johan on the practice lead as a backend, I'm practice lead for the front end. And that's where I currently currently sits on the React and Flutter um, and some backend as a service cloud stuff. And Guy, maybe you want to yeah, just fill everyone in on your role and your kind of current position? Nah. Cool. No kidding. I'm a technical director here at AFLE Software, if that's relevant right now. It just means that uh, I have little time in Visual Studio, much less time than I would like, right? That's basically the, the gist of that. Right. So let's start off, I think, by exploring those, those concepts, right? Let's talk about the word front end, the word back end, the word full stack, and what they mean to each of you guys. I'm keen to hear a definition based on your current level of experience and your expectation of those terms, right? So maybe, Johan, what is front end, back end, and full stack? What are those definitions for you? Great place to start. A couple of years ago, I actually was working for a specific company and and they called me a front-end developer but all that meant in their world is i'm actually writing the systems that their customers interact with so it isn't back-end services processing certain transactions and the like and so so that definition is actually quite important so for me that the, it basically means where in the in the life cycle of the code are you actually engaging with so from a front-end perspective that is the, the mechanism that the customer is utilizing. So let's say it's a browser. So that's everything on the browser. So whether or not it's the HTML, the pictures, the JavaScript, everything that looks very fancy and that you can see that sort of attracts people to your website or system. And then on the backend side, it's everything that's running on a specific server and maybe a database that are trying to bring everything together, all those user interactions, trying to persist the data, trying to make business logic flow happens. That will I consider as backend software. And then obviously the full stack is the bridge between the two. Someone that's able to do a little bit of the front end stuff, a little bit of the back end stuff, bringing them all together. And you basically got one person that's able to overarch over all this different technology. Cool. Jonathan, what's yours? Yeah, I think uh, along the same lines as, as what Johan said, I think a, a lot of the time for us, kind of the technology stack that you're working with kind of defines a lot of the time the whether you're working front end or, or back end right i think everyone associates javascript with front end although there are applications you can write in javascript that are not specifically front end same with kind of c sharp right it integrates well with mvc and blazor and razor and that's kind of front end in a sense as well so i think a lot of the time languages we kind of associate with a specific stack well, that stack with with whether we're writing back into front end code but yeah i think johan's definition makes far more sense and it's probably something that we overlook a lot of the time yeah i think that's a really great point that it's it's very relative you know if that's there are definitely definitions out there of front end and back end but based on what company you're at and based on what stack you're working with it'll always fluctuate if you say you're front end at one company it can be completely different at another 
Darren, I'd like to put you on the spot here as the person with, I guess, the least amount of experience in this group. You started software uh, in the software development about three years ago, and you kind of worked your way from intern to junior to intermediate. And if you can think back to then when you first joined and you were hearing the terms front end, back end, full stack, I guess the rest of us are kind of, you know, jaded and we're, we're more used to that. I'm sure you are now, but you being most recent to have that. What did those terms mean to you? Did you understand them? Were they confusing as somewhat of an outsider initially? Initially, no. Code was code. Everything you write is all the same. But I guess shortly after that, where I started to know more but still didn't fully get it, it was kind of front-end is the face. It's how it looks. It's made pretty. Back-end is the brain. If something has to think, if something has to be worked out, it's all in the back end. If something has to be styled or interacted with by the user, it's the front end. Now I think it's a bit more blurred. You can have a bunch of logic in your front end, or you can have a back end which translates itself to a front end. But yeah, I think that's that initial definition of if I'm going to, at some point in this code, have a view, it's a front end. If there's no way for the user to see it, it's a back end. Yeah, yeah. I think I agree with all of you in in terms of how I position the definition of, uh, and I'll ask you, Holly, to, to give your perspective in a moment, but I definitely agree. If it's on the client, whatever that client is, right, whether it's a, a mobile phone uh, uh, or a website or whatever, if it's on the client machine or the client environment, I would consider that to be front end. And whatever is not on the client, in other words, server side, any any data related to that, maybe data, maybe a database is maybe another layer, but anything that's not on the the client machine is backend, right? So that's how, that's how I see it. And Darren, I think you touched on on something that is maybe a, a historical view of what uh, front end is, right? And I think a lot of developers, especially cantankerous ones like myself, and maybe Wim Yani from speaking for you, is not that you feel this way, but may feel this way, guys like us, you might have said, oh, front end is just HTML and CSS, right? HTML is JavaScript. Oh, that's not development. That's design and, you know, that's crayons. Like, go play with your crayons. Like, that's traditionally, I think, what a lot of uh, more experienced senior uh, developers may think about front end. And um, uh, that sort of, in my view, is completely not that let me just caveat that but just to, to paint the past picture i think that's what we're trying to fight against right uh holly what's your definitions no look i 100 agree with everything that everyone has has said here and i think that's we're aligning with what the industry perceives especially with the, with the modern day but i'd really like to dive in uh, myself jonathan darian you know we're all under seven years eight years of, of experience so we've We've only known a world that has had stuff like Angular and React in it. So I'm not trying to hint at your ages here, um, Guy and Johan, but as people that have, you know, you, you're veterans in the industry, you've been around for 15 plus years, you've seen, you've been a part of the change. What did front end to maybe build upon Guy's point of, oh, maybe it's just HTML and CSS and a little bit of JavaScript to, you know, handle your on-click events. What was front-end when you guys started out? What was that perception that we're now trying to remold and kind of, yeah, refabricate? Yeah, so that is, luckily I didn't work back then, but I definitely dabbled with software back then. So if I can, if I can take you back into the year 1999, just before the turn of the century, HTML and websites were a thing that were running around and, and everyone 
that I knew, try to create one in front page, or if you wanted to write some skills, you open up something like a notepad and you published it. And, and if you were able to get scrolling texts that blink over the screen, like you were like next level and, and that's, yeah, if you knew how to do a marquee, you were like an awesome front end developer and people would actually pay you to, to get that done. So by the turn of the century, like the, the, the whole concept of websites looking great wasn't a thing. Like if you go, if you can find websites and there's still a couple of them out there that you can see haven't been updated in the last 10 years or even 15 years. And you can see like how they looked and how they were styled. It was literally the internet was a thing of let us display information to you and you can gain access to that. But it was very crude. And as time went on, the thing, and I think that's a Lucy Guy's point, the main thing was that the graphics designers started making the sites look pretty and they added images and styles and fonts and, and it really started moving forward. And But it was still very clunky to do a large sense. And only, I would say, in the last probably 10 years or so did the industry really pick up on the thing of interactive with the, with the websites. And that's, I think, where a lot of these frameworks and libraries really, really, uh, yeah, took strides forward, especially like in the Twitter age, where we wanted to be mobile ready phones with, uh, I'm sorry, mobile ready devices uh, with the software running on it and obviously being responsive. And we want to be, have access to that everywhere. And you can see with that change that all of the sites and all of the data and the interactions have really changed. So I think what's also very important is the, the, PCs that people have is also a lot more powerful in the last 20 years than before that. So all of a sudden, all the progress, all the uh, processing can happen on the client side, which is something that couldn't happen 20 years ago. And that all of those little actions have opened up so many doors to the front end that really helps us build a lot better systems that is quick and responsive to the end user and only really speak to the backend system when it's really, really necessary. Yeah, to answer your question, Holly, definitely. When I started my career, front end was very thin, right? So uh, to 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 be blunt, it literally was HTML, CSS, bit of JavaScript to handle your click events. Like that, to be blunt, that's what it was. You had web forms and yeah, maybe you had some scripting on the client that did some stuff or you had MVC early days and there was some some maybe some code that was involved on a front end HTML view, but largely... That was to handle functionality on the client. It's a very, very thin, right? It was there was definitely no clear architecture on a front end side of things, right? It was very much slapdash. You had a couple of pages, and those pages were HTML, and you would serve them down. Maybe there's some JavaScript, maybe there isn't. And these patterns started to emerge over time. And I think the analogy that I that floats around in my mind, at least around front end, at the moment, is it is a it is one side of an hourglass where backend is the other side of the hourglass. You know, it's, it's, uh, it is just as robust and deep now in the front as it is in the back, right? In terms of architecture and complexity and skill set involved. And uh, it's a different world completely now compared to what it was 20, 15, 20 years ago. No, I fully agree with you, Guy. And I think that's why, you know, there's the, the common adage of the phone most people are carrying around in their pocket now is stronger than the PC or the computer systems that put people on the moon, right? And I think if maybe if we're just touching on why maybe the demand for front end and why front end is, is handling more complexity is because, you know, people's laptops, their personal computers, their phones are all more powerful. So you are no longer needing to have complex uh, algorithms and methods sitting on a back end server somewhere hosted 
that, that that's doing all of that for you. So we're very much touching on kind of the past. And while I do want to get into the future, I maybe want to chat a little bit about the present and maybe the meat of, and potatoes of, of why we're here. And that is to figure out front end and back end and full stack and maybe some of our opinions and our views on that. So if you haven't picked it up based on the maybe the contrast between myself and Johan, and also based on what Jonathan Darren has said, we have specialization here at Hayfield Software. We believe in, in specialization and that's why I'm focused on front end stuff and Johan is focused on the more back end stuff and we complement each other and that's how we kind of form the, the hourglass metaphor that Guy spoke about. That being said, just like what Jonathan and Darian spoke about, that they are a full stack and maybe some at some points they're, they're leaning a bit more to one thing or the other. Guy, I know you've spoken about your opinion of this, but maybe if you could flesh out why we promote full stack up until a certain degree, and then we promote specialization in certain scenarios. Right. Okay. So my opinion is evolving pretty much daily as I think I about these so. things in the, in the shower, right? Uh, so there's, this is all shower thoughts stuff right now. But yes, so I have always been and continue to be of the opinion that specialization too early in one's career might be a limiting factor for, for potential and growth. Right. Uh, the reason I say that is because if you specialize too early, you cut yourself off from a potential area of software development that you could ultimately enjoy or be very effective at, or that opens up opportunities and potential for your own personal career development, right? Whether that financial opportunities or work opportunities, whatever the case may be, you limit yourself in some way by specializing too early. So I always advocate for do everything for as long as possible and when you get to a point where you know yourself well enough that your passions are clear specialize right that, that's sort of my opinion i have been forming a different opinion recently and that opinion may be controversial i'll throw it out there and you guys can tell me if i'm weird about it Go for but it. i currently feel there is no such thing as a junior or an intermediate full stack developer that to me is something that doesn't exist anymore and the reason I say that is because to call yourself a full stack developer, I think it requires exposure over a number of areas within a technology stack, right? To gain experience in a number of areas in a technology stack that will give you the proficiency to be effective, right? And nobody, when they're starting out as a software developer, and then maybe this is the controversial part, starts out as a full stack software developer nobody you start out in a specialization you either start out building c sharp mvc and then you get exposed to building out a database and then you get exposed to maybe a cloud platform and then you you know you're building up your experience in the back end that way or you start out as a front end developer writing JavaScript and hey, then you get exposure to ExpressJS and now all of a sudden you've got some backend experience and hey, then because of that, you're now connecting to your MongoDB and now you've got some database experience. Now all of a sudden, through the progression of playing around in various levels of the stack, you've gained enough experience to classify yourself at a point in your career as full stack, if that makes sense. That makes sense and I feel like you're throwing the first kind of spanner in the works here. Um, before I respond to that, uh, Johan, I know you're you're an advocate for full stack. What is your your take on what Guy just said? So, Guy, um, that's an interesting question that you pose or theory that you pose. 
And I think it has a lot to do most likely with the path that you've taken or basically that we as a company are, are taking right now. So I wonder how far you, you're taking this back because obviously from an education point of view, if I go back to when I studied, you have specific subjects, so right? So you learn about a database or you re- learn about HTML and then CSS or what, whatever it is. There's some sort of like method to their madness in how they're trying to teach you that. So in that sense, definitely I agree with you. But if I take it from like, for instance, when I started my career, uh, within the first three months already, I had the uh, deadline for a project that I had to deliver back in front and everything in one go. So so I would say I was basically a full stack there from day one. Yes, you could ask some people for some assistance or whatnot, but the delivery was mine. And, and I think it, it depends on what is the definition that you're using for that full stack. So in my mind, the definition of calling someone a full stack developer is I would like to make him responsible for all areas of the software. Whether or not that person is able to do that today is is a different question. And why I say that is, I think it's very much dependent on the type of of company that you're working for, as well as the size of that company. So I'll use an example. So I'm currently engaged with a, a client that the entire dev team consists of two developers. So having someone only backend and someone only frontend probably makes a lot of sense in certain systems and, and, and businesses, but for them, it doesn't make any sense. So for me, helping them out, I am considered a full stack developer. And even though I don't have any experience in their frontend, I am learning that as we, as we progress, but they're seeing me as a full stack developer because that skill set, their, their expectation is that I would be able to learn that and to obviously adopt and, and, and utilize that. So, so I definitely agree with the adage that you learn them in pieces, but I definitely think it depends on the company that you work for. What is their expectation from you? Let's say within a six month period. And then I also want to say it's, you can only, you can definitely only be a full stack dev based on the technology that you've touched. So if we look at like the, the main full stack buzzwords or, or, or acronyms that are being used like mean and moon and those type of things, All of those basically refer to specific technology stacks. So within that specific technology stack, you can be full stack. But if I throw a span in the works and I say, you know what, you're not going to utilize React, but you're going to utilize Blazor, then most likely you can still be a full stack, but you don't haven't learned that specific portion yet. And I think that's that's the important bit. Like it's that's where the difference becomes in between the generalization and the specialization. And, and I think it obviously depends a lot on, on your exposure to, to a large extent, but in the same breath, whether or not you're moving beyond different companies and different clients or whether or not you're actually just focusing within a, a, a development house or internal company system, that, that definition definitely changes over that. So I think it's very much client specific or company specific, whether or not that is possible or not. No, I 100% agree with what you're saying there, Johan. And I think we'll find with all of these terms and definitions, right, that there is no real blanket definition that if you're full stack, you only work on this or back end, you only work on this and front end the same. But maybe just to rebuttal Guy's kind of claim there, and I appreciate you raising it, Guy, and us kind of just fleshing it out. I think while that could very much be an approach, I feel like that's an implementation of yeah, an approach to progression or approach to that person growing their skill set. If I were to think of Darian and, you know, the, we have NDAs and stuff like that, but Darian for a good year and a half was on a client where he, he was kind of championing that client and he, start, he was on it at the time as a junior working 
in the cloud space, working on the front end in React and working on the back end, which was C sharp. And you know, he would get a ticket and he would kind of see it through from the the database layer through to the back end, through to the front end. And regardless of how effective Darren may or may not have been, it was still kind of him seeing it through. And then like Johan said, leaning on people at certain times. And I would definitely say that Darren was full stack in that while not specializing too much. I think he was smack bang in the middle, like 50-50 between between the, 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 the two. Darren, I don't know if you have anything to speak of with your time kind of playing in that area. Yeah, I think you can be a front-end developer that doesn't know a particular front-end technology. It doesn't mean you're not a front-end developer, right? So I think it's more a, a mindset or a, a willingness of what you are prepared to learn. So like when I first started, I was working purely on front-end projects. I didn't know anything about back-end. But I went on to projects that were then fully back-end on kind of what you would call a full-stack project where we were in charge of both the front and back, and now I'm on a purely front-end project. So I'd still call myself a full-stack developer because I think that you need to, especially when you're a junior, I would say everyone starts in one or the other. No one decides that they're going to do both unless they're just extremely talented and somehow can learn everything before they write their first lines of code. But you start somewhere, and then to be an effective tool, or at least in a company like ours, which is the experience I've got here, is that you need to be able to be put in any position early on and do the work that the people that are architecting need you to do. Maybe when you're higher up and you can make your own decisions and you can start to architect yourself, it helps to specialize and decide that you're either front-end, you know more about this, and you can tell other people what to do, or back-end. But I think at the lower levels, I think it's actually more beneficial to be say, quote-unquote, full stack, because you might not know as much, but you're more effective in more places, and you find out from people that have specialized the information that you wouldn't know yourself. Yeah, I think those are all great points. And I know Jonathan Georgia comes from a similar, I think, experience background to myself. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so when I started, we were full stack. We were labeled as full stack. And again, I think this also touches on kind of what, what Johan said. I first obviously started at college. In college, we were taught, you know, full stack development, front end, back end, and database. When I started working, we were full stack in a sense of we had a database team, so we didn't touch that, but we worked on front end and back end. Yes, there were people who worked more predominantly, more of the senior people predominantly working on back end or front end, depending on kind of where they specialized, but any of the junior kind of intermediate people, we're, we're more full stack. And I think that also touches on what, what Darren was talking about, where being full stack in kind of a more junior level means that you get exposure to everything. You get to learn a lot more and also understand the systems you're working with, especially where I was, where it was more of a corporate environment where the the system you had to know and understand completely. And so being full stack allowed you to completely understand that, which improved your code, either working on the front end because you understood what the back end needed or working on the back end because you understood what the front end needed. So I think in that sense, I was I was a was a full stack developer, but I've also seen from Guy from what you were saying, I definitely have worked and seen people who have only started with one language and had to then progress out afterwards. Now you, you raise a really good point there, Jonathan. And something yeah, first of Guy, I appreciate your your opinion and I love that we can have this open, honest conversation, kind of figure it out. But something I'm hearing in all of these answers is an encouragement, you know, for juniors and intermediates 
to be quote unquote full stack as much as possible whether it is you know touching every part of the system at once or whether it is for like you said you know the first two months you're working on this and then after that you're working on that a question i want to kind of pose and guy i'd love to hear your answer maybe you know we can we can have a chat about it further why aren't or not that we aren't but why do seniors and you know quote unquote tech leads start specializing if they've been for the first couple of years of their career, they've been very full stack. Why are we to a point promoting that people specialize after a certain point? And why should maybe other companies also look at doing that if they are, you know, quote unquote, fully full stack throughout the entire company? Sure. I think first off, I want to I want to state that not all tech leads and seniors have got full stack experience. Right. So I think I think that's a position sure. I first want to start with. Right. But I think if I speak for myself. Why do I prefer to work in the server side world, like the back end world? Why do I prefer that? And I think it's purely down to it's what I find fun. It's where I find my my puzzle fix, right? So we all do this because we're creative people. We all know that uh, there's a the, that developers or development or software, custom software development is a creative industry, and 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 that's where I find my creative scratch for the itch you know is in the back end and i think it's the same and i don't want to speak for all for all senior uh, resources or senior software developers in the industry but i think it comes down to knowing what you like to do right you know you get to a point in your career where eventually you're like oh, you know i really don't enjoy diving into stored procedures and designing database architectures i just don't enjoy that right or i really don't like playing with css it's fiddly and i mean I'm, i appreciate the work that the guys do there i just I just don't enjoy it, right? I like the clean cut nature and the predictability of C-sharp or whatever language or stack of choice is. You kind of get to a point where you're just like, I know what I like and I'm going to focus the rest of my career to make sure that I'm really good at the thing that I like to do. And I think, at least for me, that's how it's worked. Johan? Just to add to that, I think what um, where the industry is heading and if we look at the amount of tech that we're using and if we look at like the clients that we engage with, Every year, there's a new release of every tech, and there's m maybe throughout the year multiple version releases, and there's something new, hot and shiny coming out, and this. So it becomes more and more difficult for for you as an individual to stay on top of all of those technologies. I think when you get to the stage where you sort of have a uh, 15 years experience, or let's say 10 years, uh, if you want to cut it short, you've been around the block. You've, you know enough to assist all your teammates. You can be a good team member. You can mentor. You can assist wherever. But you know sort of uh, what your niche is and what you want to focus on, that those handful of items and technologies that you still want to focus on. And just at the rapid pace of how things are being released, it is even difficult just keeping up with those items. So I think that's to a large extent why people are, are specializing. But by all means, like if you are a person that wants to remain full stack because you get the, the the joy out of both of them, by all means, we're not saying that you can't do it. I'm just struggling to to, to find time for all of that in, in my life. And um, but if if you're able to do it, by all means, please please continue on with that path. It's it's basically the main thing is where where do you find the enjoyment in what you're doing, and how can you basically stay on top of it to give good sound advice to the clients and to your team and making sure that your own personal career is actually moving forward and you're not stagnating. I think you're, yeah, you, both of you guys are raising a really good point there from an individual perspective in terms of getting fulfillment and enjoyments out of your work. I'd like to maybe push the question on to Darian. From a business perspective, right? 
why do you think it's beneficial for a business like at Hayfilly Software to offer specialization at certain points instead of saying, okay, cool, everyone can be full stack or everyone is expected to be full stack for as long as possible? What kind of benefits could that provide a business? Well, I'm sure the technical benefits to having someone with a deeper knowledge calling the shots and letting everyone else around them decide kind of what they're best at, even if you're not fully specialized in one or the other, I think if you just have an awareness of both, it'll help you with whatever you decide to be. So even if you decide to be fully front-end with an awareness of the back-end, you can work with the person who's then calling the shots in the back-end so that you can both meet in the middle, go, this is what's best for my stack. What can you provide me from your side? And they go, this is what we can provide, but to do that, we need this. And then it becomes more of a collaboration, I suppose, which requires a big team. The best software is going to be made with multiple different viewpoints. But I think if the client comes to you and they go, we've got the back end, we just need the front end. And you can go, that's fine. You can work on your own people dealing with the back end. We have this person who knows everything about the front end. They can work with your people. And you don't need to worry about someone who's going to try and not control, but kind of manage the other side. You can go, that's fine. They can have their section. You've got your section. You still meet in the middle. But at the end of the day, that person is going to have more knowledge than someone who is trying to do both. So you can kind of give the client exactly what they need, as opposed to someone who can do everything, but maybe not as well. Because like Johan said, it's impossible. The amount of advancement we're getting now, especially in the front end, which I think has been growing much quicker now than it did in the past, keeping up with everything is difficult. You're going to be working with technology that's years behind. And if your client just wants the latest tech, they've got their own people working on stuff. You want someone that's up to date. Yeah, and to touch to touch on that, from a business perspective, it makes sense for specializations to exist, right? Because very skilled people with very specific knowledge in specific areas can deliver a lot more value if that's what the client is looking for, right? If the client is looking for excellence in one particular part of the stack, having specialists in that area is in incredibly useful from a business perspective perspective to provide that value uh, whereas if you had an army of generalists with relatively an, a shallow experience across the stack or stacks that we work in I feel that the value output may be compromised in some way I, I feel you need to have at certain points specialists to do certain things very well Johan I don't know what's your opinion and Jonathan you need to have a turn Darian you got your hand up go ahead yeah, just from what we spoke about, that still stands from a technical point, but also just the staying power of a team working on stuff that they're interested in, I think helps. So from a team morale, if it's a short project, long project, you're going to get more value out of a team working on stuff that they enjoy in the long run than people that are only half enjoying what they're into because they know they want to work on front end, but now they're having to dabble in back end. So you kind of go, oh, well, I guess I'll do the, I'll do my homework. Or I'll eat my vegetables. Oh, look, some meat. Okay, but we've got to do the vegetables so we can provide something. Oh, and then, yeah. I think the back and forth, you keep the team healthy by following their interests. Yeah, maybe, Darren, just to add onto that, I, and something that you mentioned earlier, that it's that mindset. You either have a front-end or back-end mindset. So I think what, one of the risks most likely that you have if you try to push people always just to stay on full stack is people will keep on using the tech stack that they really know well 
and they might not be solving the problem in the most oh yeah yeah in the most most beneficial times time sensitive way that is is possible whereas obviously if it was something that that if you've got a front end mindset and you're realizing oh i need to write the mobile app why do i need to speak to a back end api there's most likely something else that i can utilize and and i think that that philosophy that you have as a developer and that you obviously are reading up a lot more about front end or back end or whatever helps you stay up to date with that a lot better than someone that's sort of like it just sort of like staying up to date and doing his and is 9 to 5 and reading up a bit but is obviously not necessarily progressing so quickly and i think in in terms of that it also helps the company a lot because we also now know that the guys that we sort of like are specializing want to move forward and want to make sure that that they themselves learn what is great and what is new but also stay up with the rest of the of the companies and and obviously the industry out there yeah that's an amazing point johan and that's exactly something i've been thinking about a lot recently in that within hayfilly software specialization is has been a lot more recent, right? Within the past, I'd say year and a half to two years, we have been seeing more specialization. We've been encouraging it and, and promoting it. And I think the common misconception with specialization is that you're not losing out on, obviously you're gaining depth, right? But you're not losing out on breadth. You're actually getting more of that by allowing individuals to specialize. They are researching more different approaches. Exactly what Johan said is that, cool, you're going to be living in the same area because there are there's so many things in full stack that if you are living in let's say a C sharp React and Azure world and that's what your company specializes in and that's all you're doing and every developer is expected to know that there is no way they're going to have the the mental capacity or the time to branch out of that purely because they're trying to stay up to date with React the best practices there and C sharp and new Azure features but by having specialists who are maybe at least in our scenario more of the the, the generals kind of, of of the army and they're going, okay, cool guys, I've researched a bunch of different things. I think this is the best approach. And then like Darian said, they're advising the others on, hey guys, this could be a good implementation here. We've seen such variety in a success of projects and you know the, the rate at which we can deliver is increasing because of that. The variety of clients coming in is in, increasing as well because we have a, ver- a larger offering of technical skill sets and the whole time, the breadth keeps increasing and the depth is increasing. So for us, at least we're obviously all speaking from our experience, it makes perfect sense to mm-hmm. to kind of have this hybrid approach of the full stack and the specialization, either front end, back end or cloud. Yeah, yeah. So it is it is definitely key to embrace specialization. I think uh, there is, and we've had internal discussions around this, but just to recap what we discussed ourselves internally is there is just too much to know in the technology world now. The landscape is different from 20 years ago. you You could be on top of everything 20 years ago and be a really deeply well-rounded individual in the tech space okay arguably potentially not but in general at least in the custom development world you could be a well-rounded well-experienced full-stack individual knowing everything there is to know front to back you, you got this right i think the landscape's totally different now it's so different to to the point where i don't think you as a professional individual has the capacity at least early on in your career before maybe the 10 15 20 year mark to have that depth across the stack, right? I don't. This is too much. It's just too much to know, right? So you kind of it's a, it, you kind of have to. You're forced to specialize eventually, right? Because you just have to pick your battles, right? And 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 in picking your battle. Hopefully, you pick the battle that you enjoy fighting. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. 
No, that's a really good point there, Guy. And you, you touched on it again, kind of what we've spoken about up until this point, kind of the the history of front-end and back-end and how they play together and how we perceive the present. I'd like to maybe touch on the future. And obviously, it's a tech space, right? So we're most likely going to be horribly wrong because no one can predict this crazy industry and the trends and where it's going to go. But we all kind of have our own opinions and myself and Jonathan being the more uh, front-end focused developers in the industry, we have our opinion. Jonathan, where do you see kind of the the the, the full stack or the, the the back end, the front end? Where do you think that's going to go five to ten years from now? Is any of that going to exist, or any of us going to exist in our current roles? Look, I think personally, I think it all will still exist, right? To some extent, I think it, it it's all dependent on our clients' needs. At the end of the day, some company that's more like a fintech kind of company is going to need a more traditional, bigger system that's more dependent on c-sharp and bigger databases you know sql and those kinds of things whereas the newer kind of projects that are more lightweight quick um they're wanting kind of a quick turnaround from developers are going to want kind of more lightweight options and that we've already seen is starting to pick up more and more so i think all it means is that the front end is probably going to grow a lot faster than it already has been but i don't think we'll be getting rid of back end anytime soon not that we want to but i don't think that that's going to be phased out so as far as johan's job security goes i'm sure he's feeling pretty safe but yeah i think the key is is what our clients are needing and wanting right and i think that also it it kind of directs where our interests lie to some extent as well because we're only going to be able to develop our skills in an area that's going to grow our career if that makes sense so although we might have interests in other areas we've got to kind of pick and choose what our interests are and obviously the more passionate as developers we are about something the more we're going to grow in that area. And I think that's also why people tend to specialize is the passion, right? It, it's something you, you want to put in that effort and work. So, yeah. Okay, so let me give my controversial opinion for the podcast because I'd love to hear the responses of maybe a guy and Johan. And obviously this is maybe more biased to my to my current role. And just to preface this, I think both myself and Guy are very aware that, you know, modern code, everyone's a glue coder uh, is our term for it. And you're just taking, you know, snippets that other people have done and you kind of put it together to, to make it resemble the system that your client or your product wants. However, my controversial opinion, and let's talk about this, tell me I'm wrong and please explain, explain to me why, is that I think backend as it's kind of like what Jonathan says, as it stands now, I believe it is going to disappear and backend as a service offerings, such as Firebase, AWS, Amplify, are going to become way more popular because their their current offerings, you know, can cover 80% of clients in terms of that they offer database and storage and hosting and authentication and all the type of stuff. And I think the amounts and the, the ease of that is going to continue to increase. And that's going to make the the complexity that you're having to write in the backend null and void so you're only going to have real specialists like jonathan said maybe in the the financial area who they they don't quite trust the kind of new age stuff and obviously with front end as well there are a ton of things that i'm terrified of where you can drag and drop and you know just do the work that we're not to the same level as us but with time you know we have no idea where those things are going to evolve but i believe back end as a service will overtake you know traditional back end and your guy johan I'm, i'm keen to hear your thoughts on that yeah, yeah. So I do I do have an opinion on it. And I think you're absolutely right. I think the the backend as a service offerings that are out there. So you mentioned Firebase, you mentioned AWS Amplify, these things are very cool, right? And 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 as you say, they serve 
80 to 90% of the need in certain circumstances, I want to caveat, right? I want to mm -hmm. say, yes, yeah. there are, there are many, many applications that are built that, that could utilize that stuff and get away with it completely utilizing the backend as a service offering, right? But in the world of enterprise software development, there are all sorts of reasons why companies and people would not go down the route of using a backend as a service, right? They would need some custom implementations. They've got business rules that are pretty bespoke. They've got a line of business applications that are just too niche and too custom to be uh, supported by a backend as a service offering. And I'm not saying that those offerings won't get there in the future, but I'm saying in their current sure. state, they, they are very useful. And they are very relevant for certain types of software applications, but definitely not for, in my mind, I want to say the, the domain heavy enterprise applications that have got very specific uh, requirements around their backends. But I will say that I think the world of software development, the future state, if I can answer that part of the question, the future state for me is very much a blurred line. Now, right? We we're we're talking specifically about front end, back end, potentially databases as part of the stack, right? I think there is a, another level to this, and I think that is the developer operations part of the stack, right? And I think that's all forming part of a uh, a blurred line that's I think is should be called something along the lines of a cloud and infrastructure developer, where developers are moving towards not just being responsible for the output of the code, but also responsible for hosting that code and, and making sure it gets deployed and the security around it and, and designing how that code needs to run. And a lot of it comes down to a movement known as cloud native, right? And this concept that it doesn't matter where the stuff is living, it needs to be deployable anywhere, right? And I think development, at least in the backend space, is moving towards that side of of software engineering right so it's not you're not really just involved with building the server and the code involved in writing the business logic but you're also tightly tightly knitted towards the security and the deployment and the infrastructure around how that server is being hosted right and i don't think yeah. that's necessarily bleeding into the front end yet but uh, definitely the case in the back end and we see it more and more. And Johan? Yeah, maybe another spanner just to throw into that works is this thing about the no code, low code. And I think that sort of adds into into what you're saying, Harley. It's like why why would I actually need a backing system to perform certain logic if I can as a non-developer or someone with intermediate level skills basically build this drag and drop and they then there you go. There's basically my system. And and I definitely think there is there is a world that where that could be uh, really really uh, realistic. But I think with the skill shortage of developers throughout the world, I, I don't necessarily see that happening. Just because of you still need someone to actually to build that and someone to have a good understanding of about logic and how the flow should be. And and I think in that sense, it's most likely not all companies will just switch over to do something like that. And I think there's also the one thing that developers do in general, whether or not you're a front-end or back-end developer, that, that maybe goes for granted is the amount of domain knowledge that we carry in our heads, that how the system works and operates and all these different rules that, that, that uh, not, not necessarily just business rules, but also just like the architecture and how the, the different packets communicate and the like. It's very difficult if you're utilizing third-party services to keep all of that in your head because you're not necessarily the person that's building all of that or how utilizing it or whatever. And I think large enterprises 
actually uh, want their developers to stay with them for a long time and want to want them to help them maintain their systems because of specific that because a lot of the IP actually sits within the developers' heads. Um, so, so even though there's definitely a world where, where that could be possible, I think, I think enterprises, especially big enterprises, will move too slowly for that to actually happen, let's say, in the next 10 years. But uh, yeah, obviously, I don't have a magic ball, but I can definitely see that there are many, many uh, variations of, of that happening. So I'll give a very quick example. So. Uh, I, over the weekend, I wanted to spin up a specific API that catches a webhook. Now, needless to say, there's certain technology that I can use to do that very quickly, but there is backend as a service that I could spin up in the matter of minutes that catch that information and writes it to a table, and now I've got all my information that I want. So they are definitely, even for, for hardcore developers, still ways to sort of do that. So I think it's the future is definitely hybrid for me and the future is definitely how can we utilize the offerings that these companies give us to maximize our efficiency and in the same breath also try, try to, to downplay the amount of, of internal infrastructure that we need to host by ourselves. I think that's a, that's a great answer, Johan. And yeah, I posed the question knowing that you know, there's no way for any of us to know. And, there's, and it's definitely, I think, hybrid, like you said, is the is probably the best bet right now. I'd love to get this group together again in five years and we can discuss about how foolish and uneducated we are now and we had no idea what was coming. We do need to, however, wrap up. So I'd love to pose just one last question for each of you to answer. If you can think back to when you started developments, knowing everything you know now, right? Some of us are front-end leaning, some of us are more full-stack, some of us are back-end leaning. I want you to, to fill in the blank here for the sentence is, as a new developer, it would be best for me to learn X. So what is that X for you? For a person starting out, it's day one. What is going to benefit them the most in the long run, knowing what you know now, knowing the career that you've had up until this point and where you see software going? So I'm happy to, to answer first and I might be slightly biased, but I would say the basics of JavaScript. The, the reason being is because JavaScript, in my opinion, or JavaScript has factually been around for a long time. JavaScript offers you, you know, the, the age old front end and the new age front end, as well as a bunch of back end options and, and everything like that. So I feel like you can get that taste of full stack across the board kind of with JavaScript. I don't want to go too much into that, but Guy, what is that, what is that blank spot for you? I think there's I think nowadays there's a much easier answer to this, right? And I think in the old days it would be the first thing you need to do is is find somebody who you can talk to, right? And who you can bounce off of, right? And learn from and help them to guide you and so you're going the mentor uh, approach uh, instead of the technical okay i would say historically that's the right way to go right i say okay i've got an interest in software development i don't know where to start what do i do i would say start somewhere pick something doesn't matter what your interests are going to change you don't know what you're going to enjoy doing just pick something that's interesting for you at that point and then try to find somebody hopefully uh, that you can have a conversation with and they can help guide you down that path right whatever that means for you right and 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 don't expect too much from the first part of your career expect expect to know very little and to be very frustrated for a very long time and i promise you the clouds will part and eventually you'll understand something and that'll unlock the next thing and your career will flourish right nowadays i would say find your favorite youtuber 
right? It's find somebody who's entertaining that you can that you like to watch that has got a cool that has got a cool presence that is engaging and whatever they're doing just learn from what they're doing. Whatever stack, whatever technology, whatever that is, doesn't really matter. It's entertaining. It's if it's going to keep you engaged, it can help you learn and help you grow. Follow that person, right? That's a great point. Yeah. Okay. So you're going more the instead of a technical approach, the finding a mentor because of the value mentors, and obviously we're big on mentors here at Hayfully Software, as well as you know uh, approaching the the millennials. Like let's presume it's millennials generation Z that would be starting out as new developers, and their attention span is all about you know YouTube and and find your favorite TikTok coder. Basically, is what what guy is saying. <laughs> Darian, what's your answer to that question? So I suppose to go at it from a different angle. I would say find out whatever one of the current popular front-end frameworks is and follow that. The amount of resources you're going to have at your disposal is going to be more than you can ever read. And while you're developing it, at a shallow level, you can do everything using a front-end framework. You can make bits of logic, you can abstract things, you can get kind of good principles. But more importantly for me at least, and I'm sure other people, is you get to see your work as you do it. So the pure kind of cause and effect of doing something on the front end kind of incentivizes you to go more. And you can go, oh, well, I can do this. I can make it look different. But as a, I'm a user, I use apps all the time. And actually putting the button there would kind of suck. So let me put it over there. So you take the experience of using it while you're developing it. And then once you're interested, you can kind of find out what are the, the building blocks, what's actually happening on the JavaScript level. How could I take this out to be more kind of iron tight storage should I have a back end this is stuff a bit more complex than I'd want happening on just my laptop but I want this to be done right at the point of execution those kinds of questions will come to you as you're going and then you can kind of get deeper and deeper into whichever is more interesting for you instant gratification increases motivation right um, and that's absolutely. the you're talking about millennials and generation z yeah yeah instant sure. gratification <laughs> short <laughs> extent short attention spans yeah we're always having to learn and i think yeah maybe promoting that aspect as well i love this because everyone's everyone's answer is completely from a different approach and it's how you perceive the question uh johan what is your take on that question yeah so the first thing i would learn is how to build a time machine <laughs> And why do you say that, and, uh, <laughs> Well, well, then I can, then I have enough time to see to basically to pose that question of what will happen in ten years' time, Harley. But uh, on a more serious note, I, I think for me, if I could uh, guide someone today, I would tell them to tinker, pick up, pick up as many things that, as you can, play with it, build something, try to put it out there. It will speak to what Guy said. It will speak to what Darren has said. It, it's basically the, the more the more time you spend in code, the more interesting things you find out and the more challenges you actually you run into. And then you can see like, oh, this technology handles this problem in this way and another one solves it in a different way. And as you speak to peers and you, you go to different conferences, you can see how each of those uh, different new technologies, what they actually bring and what are the problems that they're trying to solve. And the only way that you'll actually know that if you're if you're only starting out now is by playing around in your personal time and trying to build stuff that you can use and obviously that that you can learn from as well. Uh, yeah, so so Tinker. Another another unique answer there. I love that, uh, Jonathan. Yeah. So <laughs> I was going to say what you said first, <laughs> which is funny. Yeah, I, I think I touched on it right from the beginning. JavaScript is 
one of the most versatile languages I've worked with because you can you can code in front end, you can code in back end, kind of a back end aspect. You, it it's so versatile that it makes it a great place to start and it's easy to learn. And then I was going to say what Guy said <laughs> because because I don't think I would be where I am today if it wasn't for the mentors that I had along the way. They the directions they pushed me, the way that they trained me is has a massive impact on kind of the developer I am and the approaches I take um, and so on. And I think there's, although like, I think I, you mentioned YouTube, I, although YouTube is great, there's nothing quite like having someone who has 10, 15 years of experience, one-on-one -on -one sitting with you and showing you where you're wrong, where you can improve. Um, and I think without that, I wouldn't be able to be where I am today. But I think the biggest driving force probably for me is been what I'm passionate about. So I think the key would be to find first what you're passionate about. And that passion is what's driven me to learn. I'm quite a lazy person by nature sometimes. And so I, I don't often, yeah, exactly. I don't often want to kind of, um, if I'm not interested in something, I'm not gonna put in as much effort at the end of the day, right? Um, as opposed to when I'm passionate about something. And I found that where most of my growth has come from has been what I'm really, really passionate about. Um, at the moment, that's front-end. And I've seen in the past year that I've been working on front-end projects um, specifically and only front-end, how much I've grown over the past year. And that's just purely because of how passionate I am about that. So I think that if I had to give advice to someone who's just starting out, it would be find first what you're passionate about and they'll be able to learn a lot quicker. Well, there we go. Question asked, question answered by five people, five different takes on the question, five very different answers. If you're just starting out in the development world, hopefully you, you learn quite a bit of the, the terminology and the career path that you can be taking. That is unfortunately all the time we have uh, today, but we'd love to do another one of these. Um, there's a lot more to chat about. It, it's an internal debate, like, like I said, that we have every other week on where does full stack start? At what point do you specialize? All that type of stuff. Guy, if people are wanting to reach out to know anything more about Hayfully Software or the Agile CTO, where can they find us? Yeah, so the Agile CTO, obviously on LinkedIn, you can find us at the Agile CTO. All the links to finding the episodes are on there. Uh, and uh, in terms of Hayfully Software, it's hayfullysoftware.com. Our contact details are there. You can find all of us, I presume, on LinkedIn and, and various different social platforms. So we'll try and put that in the description for this episode. And yeah, looking forward to anybody who's got any questions and, and, and wants to kind of figure out more about what we do and how we do it, whether it's from a company level or a personal level, always open to that kind of thing. And I just want to say thanks to the the three of you guys for joining us here today on this on this sort of slightly different format of the Agile CTO where we, where we have more of a discussion and uh, I think it's been incredibly informative for myself. So thanks, thanks all of you. Cool, that's it, Holly. I think that's it. Let's uh, let's wrap up. So catch us on the next one, and hopefully it'll be just as good as this one. At Hayfully Software, we build dev teams that deliver and fix those that don't. Dev teams fail to deliver all the time for countless reasons, from lack of skills to barriers and culture, from politics to process, from silos to egos. Whatever the reason, it's time they deliver. This is why we exist. From enterprise to startups, we craft high-performance dev teams focused on end-to-end -end delivery. Visit Hayfully Software at OutsourceHS.com to learn more. You've been listening to The Agile CTO. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. 
If you're listening with Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to leave a quick rating of the show. Simply tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.